Good afternoon to this time when we gather together around the Word of God, seeking comfort, seeking hope where hope can only be found, which is at the feet of the cross, at the feet of the Savior. Welcome to this time when we gather together to uh, uh, revisit the life legacy of Elder Jim Lammer as we rejoice in the Lord for his life and for all the things the Lord has done through Elder Jim's life in the life of this congregation, in the life of so many uh, who have come here this afternoon. Uh, we notice how graciously and how uh, full of loving kind is our great God as he raised men uh, such as Elder Jim Lemmer uh, to uh, be a blessing uh, to his people. The family uh, invites uh, all those who are here this afternoon to uh, after our uh, time together here to uh, gather together uh, during, uh, uh, for a fellowship and refreshments uh, at the Narthex. You are all welcome uh, to stay with us. If you do have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm. There are Bibles uh, uh, under uh, the pews, under the chairs. Uh, we go at this time where hope can be found, and it is in the ever-living, always true Word of the Lord. And we turn to Psalm 90, as in this word, in this specific text, we are reminded of our frailty, we are reminded of how fast our days go, and yet we are also reminded of where hope can be found, and it is only in the arms of the covenantal-keeping Lord, the only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Beginning in verse 1, we read, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction. You say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes, grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our ears like a sight. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years... Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants, oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice 
and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to your children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And indeed the beauty of the Lord, the glory of their children, the mercy of the Lord has been displayed once for all in the blessed person of the Lord Jesus Christ who liveth everlastingly. Please turn as well with me to 1 Thessalonians as the Lord continued to comfort our souls and to remind us that with Him and in Him there is hope. In fact, in Him alone there is hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verses 13 and 19 the Apostle Paul is very, very much desirous to make the people of God to understand death. To understand why death comes upon and what happens when death comes upon the children of the Lord, those who are in Christ. So beginning in verse 13, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Very relevant for us this afternoon, isn't it? He says, the reason why I don't want you to be ignorant is lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. We do have hope. And it's not a wishful thinking. He says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. So here, the apostle is saying, those who have gone to the dead, sleep here is used as a metaphor to those who descended to the grave. He says, we will see them again. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, there is nothing more precious to the Christian than to be with the Lord. That's the goal of anyone who has been saved by Christ. The desire of the soul can only be satisfied when a soul that has been saved by the blood of Christ gazes his Savior. When that happens, then there is satisfaction. That's the satisfaction that Elder Jim right now is experiencing and that the Word of God promises us this afternoon that we are all going to have all those who are in Christ, as we're all going to be together with the Lord. Let us pray together. Great God in, hand of, in heaven, we come once again this afternoon before your majestic, glorious, full of grace, 
and hope-giving presence. We come to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for there is no life, there is no hope, there is no comfort apart from you. Despite of all the options that our sinful hearts may cling to, despite of the different options that a lost world may present, they are all doomed to fail. But not you, O triune Lord. Generation after generation, centuries after centuries, you continue to be the place where your people finds the comfort that they need to live for your glory, to find meaning, true meaning in life. And therefore, we come to you once again this afternoon, rejoicing in the promises of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that those who depart to be with the Lord, depart to gaze and to be with Him, and that we will see them again in that great day of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord, as we await for that great and glorious day, when we are all going to be reunited with, the, with those who already departed to be with you, may you encourage our hearts this afternoon. May you lift us up to you. And may you bring those who are far from you to deep repentance. May they cling to you in confession, repentance, and faith. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Let us uh, continue to receive comfort from the Word of God. Please turn with me uh, to the Gospel of John. We find over and over again in the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus uh, strengthening the faith of His disciples giving them words of comfort, reassuring them of His blessed person, of what He can do as the Son of Man, as the Lamb of God who came to take upon Himself the sin of His people. John chapter 4 and verse 14, we read the comforting words of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, we read, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied of, uh, from his journey, he sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. But the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. The woman said to Him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then you, you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Then Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water 
that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. And you see, that's the reason why Christ is the source of all comfort. Because from him flow true, eternal life in him. Our thirst for life is quenched. If you turn with me as well to John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40, this, this uh, theme of life continues to be very evident in the speech, in the teachings, in the discourses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 35, he begins to speak once again. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. Let us now continue to be comforted as we, together as we are, uh, we turn to selection number 436. Selection 436. What a friend we have in Jesus. We sing all verses of 436.
that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed our comfort and the only source of comfort because of His life-giving ministry to our souls. It's not only very clear from the text of Scriptures we have read so far, but also from the confessions and catechisms of the Reformed churches. Uh, you may find in your uh, program printed at the back um, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism question number one. Uh, it's at the, the very back of your programs, and uh, uh, I would like to call now Caitlin, Kaylee, and Calissa Bruss. Um, I had the joy of seeing these three ladies uh, many, many times, accompanying uh, granddaddy and grandmom, uh, attending worship services. And uh, at this time, they will lead us in the reading. They will read uh, for us uh, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, question one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also rushes over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. We turn once again to the Word of God, the authoritative, infallible, inerrant Word of God. Uh, we turn once again to the Gospel of John, and this time to John chapter 11, as we see once again the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, unveiling or developing this theme of life and that He is the life-giving uh, life God. Uh, John chapter 11, beginning in verse 11, we read, These things He said, and after that He said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. That Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes 
that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to Him. We notice in verses 17 and 16, the Lord reassuring that He is the Lord of life. As He says, so when Jesus came, He found that He had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha didn't quite understand, and she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then 25, it reads, Jesus responding, saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And must we not answer the very same question? Is not the very same Christ asking constantly the very same question? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? As we search our hearts, at this time we uh, hear a, a special song uh, from uh, a, a couple of members of the family. Uh, the song will be saying, The Goodness of God, you may find the lyrics um, in the song here as well in your uh, insert. you, Lord. All your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the murderness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other 
I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Please turn with me to the book of Psalms as we continue to meditate upon the word of the Lord and we seek comfort where only comfort can be found, which is in the words of the Lord. We turn to Psalm 125. We'll focus uh, this afternoon in verses 1 and 2. Uh, we'll read the, the, the psalm in its entirety, uh, but we focus our meditation this afternoon in verses 1 and 2. Give heed now to the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Hear it with faith. A song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for search, as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace. Be 
upon Israel. Let us pray together. Great God in heaven, as we continue to meditate upon your word this afternoon, as we continue to seek comfort in your words and in your blessed person, O triune God, we pray that you would remove the blindfold of our eyes, that we may see, O Lord, the treasure, the comfort that you provide to your people in your word. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes so that we may see Christ so vividly described here in this text. May you warm our hearts and our souls towards Him. May you, may you cling us, O Lord, and direct us to Him so we may approach Him in faith, so we may approach Him in confession, so we may approach Him, O Lord, and find indeed living waters for our souls. In His name, Lord, we pray. Amen. We live in a day and age where there is a lot of information available. We hear of things that are happening in our neighborhood or in our state, in our county, and then nationwide and then worldwide. News travel fast. And if you have access to internet, you have a, if you have a smartphone these days, uh, they travel even faster as uh, through the tip of your fingers, you can uh, swipe different softwares and have all this, all this flood of information coming upon you. Now, with this flood of information also come other floods. It comes the flood of fear. Because the information and the news we read, they are not very encouraging. In fact, it seems almost that we are living in a day and age where uh, we are experiencing an, an industry of calamity. As you go through the headlines and to the news, you don't hear and read anything that is encouraging and uplifting, but you hear only of chaos, war, murder, unsettling our hearts. Chaos is what is out there. And the inevitable desire of our souls, the inevitable inclination of our hearts is to cry out for protection. Where can we find protection? The world gives us many alternatives. The inclination of our sinful hearts will lead us to other alternatives. But as we turn together to Psalm 125, we are reminded that in the, midst, in the midst of chaos and war and trouble, we find protection, comfort only in one place. As we meditate upon these two first verses of Psalm 125, uh, Elder Jim Lammer's uh, favorite verses, we are reminded that comfort is found alone when we are looking to the mountain. When we are looking to the mountain. And by the mountain here, by Zion, uh, the psalmist is not referring to a portion of land, to a geographical location. Anyone acquainted with the content of Scripture will be quickly reminded that Zion is a metaphor, is a pointer to the abiding presence of the covenantal God in the midst of His people. That's where the source of protection and comfort and assurance is only found. Is this your sir, source of protection and assurance this afternoon? Do you sit here this afternoon relying in this great mountain, Mount Zion, 
but not the geographical location, the rock which Mount Zion points us to, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we meditate upon these things this, evening, this afternoon, let us have this in our minds. Let us have this very firm and clear before our very eyes that it is only Yahweh, it is only through the covenantal Lord that God's people can be surrounded by protection and with protection as they approach Him in faith and because of His covenant. There is only one source of surrounding protection, and it is Yahweh, and it is when we approach Him by faith, it is when we approach Him trusting in His covenant, and because of His covenant, that His everlasting surrounding protection is always upon His people. So we consider two things this afternoon together. First one, we consider in verse 1 that it's only by faith. It is only by faith that Yahweh gives His people eternal life. We see that clearly in verse 1. But also in verse 2, we notice that it's only by the covenant. It's only because Yahweh has established a special relationship with a particular people that Yahweh gives this people eternal care. By faith, we experience eternal life. And by the covenant, we experience eternal care. And we see that in verses 1 and in verse 2. I trust you have noticed that Psalm 125 is part of a, a group of psalms that is denominated or labeled as the Song of Ascents. The, the title of uh, the psalm is, is also inspired, and it, it's a clear determination, a clear identification of one of those psalms uh, that were used by Israelite, by uh, uh, the pilgrims in the, land of, uh, in the land of Israel when they would move from their uh, locations where they were living all the way to Jerusalem for worship. So in other words, it is impossible to approach Psalm 125 and neglect its background, which is what? It is a psalm designed to address pilgrims in their pilgrimage. Do you see how that is relevant for you today? This psalm is about pilgrims in their pilgrimage. And it is about the terrifying preparations and dangers of their pilgrimage. It is about the difficulties that one finds in a pilgrimage, trying to set a route, trying to find resting places that would be safe for the traveler and for his family. It is a psalm that talks to us about the difficulties and also dangers of a pilgrimage. Dangers such as wild animals ready to devour those who are traveling, or uh, robbers or criminals who will be ready to rob and assault those who are going towards Jerusalem to worship. It is the difficult, dangerous, even almost to the point of desperation sometimes journey. What is the response, therefore, in this setting, in this context? Well, when you look at verse 1, you notice that the response to this, to this scenario of pilgrimage in ancient times is to look to the destination. Verse 1 tells us, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. The destination then is a proclaimer of good news, you see. As one would be going their way towards Mount Zion, 
And keep in mind that our, there are no highways, there are no nice and fancy cars. Uh, this is a, a, a hardless, a terrifying, a danger, full of difficulties, journey and pilgrimage. As they were going towards that direction, the destination already would proclaim to them their blessed position in this world. Zion is my destination. I'm going to the mountain. Well, why is that a proclaimer of good news? Because Zion is stood for a symbol. It is Zion, says the psalmist in Psalm 132, that the Lord has chosen to make His dwelling. According to Psalm 132, the psalmist describes Zion as the resting place of Yahweh. In other words, isn't it worth to go through all sorts of trials and tribulations so that in your final destination you meet the Lord of life, you meet the one who will indeed bring all sorts of comforts and joy to your soul, comforts that are everlasting in duration. Zion is a picture of Yahweh's presence of Yahweh's dwelling, and therefore it in itself, not as a geographical location, not as a geological formation, but the mountain, because of its picture, would bring to the pilgrim hope, strength, encouragement. That's my final destination. The dwelling of Yahweh. The dwelling of the only true Lord is the source of life. But notice that there is one very particular, specific element that must be real in the life of the pilgrim so that that comfort may also be real. He says, those who trust in Yahweh. I trust you have observed in verses 1 and 2 that the name of the Lord is capitalized. This is the covenantal name of God. It's the name Yahweh. It points us to that specific, particular, loving, faithful relationship that the only true God has established with His people. No one else enjoys this relationship but those whom Yahweh brought to Himself from captivity. And the psalmist says, who is the one who abides forever? Who is the one that at the sight of that mountain, at the sight of that hill, may be encouraged, may be strengthened? Is he who have faith in Yahweh? When the Israelite who has faith in that promise looks at Mount Zion, he is reassured. When the one, the Israelite, who believes in the promises of Yahweh, who trusts in the grace of Yahweh, who trusts in the mercy of Yahweh, who has tasted of the mercy of Yahweh, when he, by faith, when she, by faith, looks to the mountain, then there is relief. There is a strength. There is comfort. God's abiding. And the trusting of His people, the faith of His people, grants the pilgrim strength, assurance, and hope. See, perhaps you, you're asking, well, what does that have to do with me this afternoon? I am no Israelite. I am going to no mountain. I am in no pilgrimage. 
Why is this psalm relevant to my soul? Well, you may not be a Israelite, but you are a pilgrim. You are a pilgrim either going to two destinations. Either you are going to the mountain, or either you are going to eternal perdition. There is no one who has set foot in this world who is not, in a sense, a pilgrim. Pilgrimage uh, reminds us that this is This world is not our final destination. The ideal of a pilgrim reminds us that there is a trip, there is a travel, there is a a direction in which every single living human being is taken. And it is is either to eternal salvation or to eternal damnation. So I submit to you this afternoon that this psalm is very, very, very relevant to you tonight. It is very relevant to you. For you too are a pilgrim. And the text reminds us that to pilgrims at this time and age who drive electric cars and who have paved worlds, there is only one source of true hope and comfort. You need to look to the mountain. You need to look to Yahweh. You need to keep your eyes fixed upon the rock. And once again, it's not a geographical point or a geological formation. It is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We are reminded over and over again in the writings of the New Testament that it is only true faith in Christ that we indeed experience the very same comfort that the psalmist is experiencing here. In John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus reminds precisely uh, weary, heavy-hearted, desperate disciples, that it is trusting in Him like one trusts in Yahweh that one can find peace. He says in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You see, the same, very same idea of verse 1 in Psalm 125. Believe in God. Believe in Yahweh. But then he compliments and says, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If you were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Do you see why the 21st century pilgrim has a more clear a more strong, a more definite comfort and consolation than the Israelite of the Old Testament. Because that which the Israelite only knew through shadows, dimly, because of a rock, now we know, because the Son took flesh, because the Son incarnate, because He died, and because He lived a perfect and sinless life, And because He resurrected, testifying that His sacrifice is acceptable before the Father. And He ascended and seated at the right hand of God the Father, receiving all the glory and honor and majesty and being placed above all sorts of living creatures, any other living creatures, for He is the supreme Savior of God's elect. And it is precisely this Savior That in John 14 says, don't believe in a mountain. Believe in God, but believe also in me. 
We see, the apost- we see this, this is the very same apostolic call over and over again. Belief in Christ. Faith in the Lord of the covenant. In Acts chapter, thir- uh, ch- chapter 16, verse 31, the Philippian jailer was desperate for his life and he asked, what can I do to be saved? And immediately the answer that comes out of the mouth of the apostles is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Belief in Christ grants life. Belief in Christ grants comfort. Belief in Christ assures the pilgrim that his destination is sure and true. Is the presence of God. Is the mountain. Is the abiding of Jehovah. This is exactly what we confess together in the Heidelberg Catechism, isn't it? As it was read this afternoon. Why is our comfort in life and death only the Lord Jesus Christ? Why He is indeed our Mount Zion? And the answer is very simple. That I am not my own, but I belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. You see, that was Elder Jim Lomer's Trust and comfort. Elder Jim was but a pilgrim seeking rest in the bosom of the Almighty. With eyes fixed upon the mountain, with eyes fixed upon Christ, Elder Jim would so many times with fear in his eyes talk about the blessed truths of the gospel. You see, me and Elder Jim, we had a common passion. We really appreciated the ministry of Dr. Michael Barrett. We would frequently uh, talk after services when he would preach or uh, Elder Jim was reading several of his books and he would come to me with some nuggets. And together talking about the things uh, Dr. Barrett would be unpacking in his works or would be uh, speaking in his sermons, the conclusion was unavoidable. They're always, he's always pointing us to Christ. And therefore, the talking of Christ, the mentioning of Christ, the understanding of Christ, that He is indeed the mountain Zion towards which we are going, toward which He is drawing us unto, this bring tears to His eyes. Tears of joy. Tears of excitement. Tears of gladness. His eyes were fixed on Mount Zion. Are your eyes fixed? On Mount Zion. That's the question, isn't it? That's the unavoidable question that this text, the Word of God, begs for us to answer this afternoon. Do you walk in your pilgrimage right now with eyes fixed upon that or upon He who is indeed God incarnate? And in whom the blessed presence, the life-giving presence of the only true God can be experienced. Where do you find hope? What is your mountain? You see, Psalm 25 says, those who trust in the Lord, they are like Mount Zion. What kind of mountain are you? Perhaps you see it here today and you are following the directions of your sinful heart. There are those who try to find life in the mountain of experiencing life. 
of living the life to the fullest. This is all we have, they say. It is all now and here, and when it's done, it's on. When the end comes, it is the end. That's the mountain, the altar of self, the altar of I am the end of all things. Is that what you're looking at today? Perhaps you, you're looking at the mountain of making yourself known. The mountain of being glorified. Again, in these modern times where uh, social media has grown rampant in success and fame, perhaps you're trying to be known. That's your desire. To make a name for yourself. And you see, although the sinful heart leads us to be inclined to these mountains that have no height, that had no foundation, that will soon be destroyed, the Word of God comes and it comes to our assistance, to our aid, to our help, and it sounds the alarm. Look to faith to Zion. Look in faith to Christ. For it is only when you are indeed like Mount Zion, when God abides in you, that you may say, I trust in the Lord. Do you sit here this afternoon rejoicing in the blessed person and work of the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you sit here this afternoon rejoicing that His blood has been shed for you, that your sins are forgiven? Is this your trust? Is this where you find comfort and consolation? Be reminded this afternoon, this is the only source of true consolation and comfort. Where are your eyes fixed? May they be fixed upon the mountain that proclaims to us the abiding of Jehovah. Because only by faith, it is only by faith that we may experience this abiding forever. We can experience eternal life. But so that the psalmist would help us not to think it is because of my faith, because I have this ability in me, and then we would go all prideful and puffed up. Oh, I have faith. I am faithful. No, immediately He comes to our succor to break down any vanity, any high view we have of ourselves, and He puts right before our faces the covenant of God. You have faith because of God's covenant. And if there is any hope, and if there is any eternal care, it is only because of God's covenant in initiative. We see that in verse 2 when he says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from His time forth and forevermore. And here we have another picture. The journey continues. We continue with uh, the pilgrim in his pilgrimage. And, and now the picture is of the mountains that surround Zion. And here's a good reminder that Zion was not that great of a hill. You see, actually, the mountains, all the mountains surrounding Zion were bigger than Zion itself. To the north, there was Mount Scopus, which was higher than Zion. To the east, there was the Mount of Olives that was higher than Zion. To the west and south, there were other hills that were all higher than Zion. You see, it's not about the mountain. It is about what the mountain pictures and reminds us, point us to. In this way, Zion was a picture of the 
everlasting, always present protection of Yahweh. That's really what this verse 2 is all about, isn't it? It is a protection that is the fruit of the covenant. It's not because we have conquered it. He says in verse 2, the Lord surrounds His people. The covenantal God surrounds His people. That's the only reason why as uh, this, this deflector shield that protects the believer from all signs, from all angles, surrounded by this divine protection, he may rest assured. Why is that? Because of the covenant of Yahweh. Because in the eternal times, He has decided to save a mass of sinners from their sins. Because before time, before their birth, before anything was created, He had appointed a special and particular people to be the object of His saving and gracious love. You see, as Yahweh does these things, as He then creates all things according to His decrees, then His covenantal love comes immediately upon His people. Then the covenantal love surrounds them, revolves them around this shield, protected them for, protecting them from all angles. But you see, this protection is more than simple protection. This protection means that Yahweh is present. Look again at the text. It says, so the Lord surrounds. You see, the Hebrew uh, grammar here helps us immensely as we understand that this is something that Yahweh is doing right now, all the time, every moment. Perhaps you have a security system in your house. And even when you are traveling in afar, you can log on in your uh, smartphone and you can see a camera. And you can have some peace of mind because you see everything is placed in the right position. Everything is right where you left it. But even if something happens, even, even if those cameras would show you a burglar right there, right at that moment, you're checking the software inside your house, there's nothing you can do. Perhaps you can call 911 and tell, look, there's someone in my house and still you have to wait until the police officers would reach. There is no presential care. Do you understand? That's not what the believer experienced in Yahweh. Yahweh is always present. That's what it's implied when he says the Lord surrounds his people. There's not a single moment in the life of the believer, even in death, in which he's not surrounded in all sides from Yahweh. Well, we are no different than the Old Testament pilgrims. We have already established that. And yet, uh, and, and therefore the protection is precisely the same for us. You see, that's the reason why the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, the very last verse of that gospel, he says, And lo, I am with you always until the end of the days. Think about surrounded by protection. The everlasting, eternal presence of the Blessed One of the Father guaranteed to be constantly with His people all the time. That is being surrounded. That is being protected. That is being cared for. You see, that was the care that uh, Elder Jim rejoiced in. 
after Elder Jim returned from uh, his time in, in the hospital in Grand Rapids, visiting him and Dory, uh, that was one of the subjects we talked about, how the Lord was gracious with him and cared for him. That although he had reached the hospital in a very serious situation, a very serious condition, he was surrounded by care. And that's not only medical care, that's not only nurse care, doctor's care, it is divine care. It is the Lord upholding all things for the good of the believer. That was exactly what we confessed together uh, even today in the Heidelberg Catechism. We read and we confess that He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. That's comfort. That's protection. That's the care that those who trust in Yahweh experience now and evermore. That was Elder Jim's certainty. At the narthex, again, we would frequently talk about uh, God's care and compassion. But perhaps a, a clear demonstration of that was Elder Jim's prayer even in time of suffering and agony. In my last visit to Dory, she mentioned that in the midst of all the confusion of the room, there was a moment when they could hear Elder Jim saying, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. That's comfort. That's protection. That's everlasting surrounding. And that's one who believes response in such a manner is this your response do you sit here this afternoon with the very same trust comfort that you are eternally cared by Yahweh who has established a covenant with you through the person of his Lord Jesus Christ let me tell you a couple of ways in which that's not your reality because you need to be alerted of this you see, you are not in covenant with Yahweh if you're simply here sitting today and saying, I am a good person. I don't do any evil to anybody. I pay my taxes on day. And I, am, I live my life in such a way that I will do nobody wrong and nobody harm. And although these things are very nice indeed, they are not a covenant with Yahweh. Perhaps you sit here today and your comfort is because, well, you know, my, I will be well cared for. I have a nice career. I have nice partners and friends that even when in my old age, they will extend their hand to me. I trust in them. Well, maybe yes, maybe not. But here is the reality. If these are the things that bring comfort and protection to your soul, you are in a state of self-deception. Because that's not where care comes from. This is not where everlasting surrounded care means. There is only one source of everlasting surrounding care, and it is to those who are in covenant with Yahweh. And those who are in covenant with Yahweh have come to Him through His Son. Those who are in covenant with Yahweh look to Christ and say, That is my Savior. That is my Lord. I will follow Him until the end of my days. He is the joy of my soul and the contentment, the gladness of my heart. I am satisfied if I lose all things, if I have, if, even if I have nothing, even if all the chaos in the world come upon my shoulders. He is my Lord and he's all that my soul delights in that's one 
who is in covenant with Yahweh. He's looking to the mountain. He's abiding in the presence of Jehovah because his eyes is fixed upon Christ. Are your eyes fixed upon Christ? Have you come to him in true confession of sin, acknowledging your desperate need of a Savior, your desperate need of being surrounded like Zion is surrounded by mountains, your desperate need to abide in Him as He abides in His Son. Let us make no mistake this afternoon. Let us be very well reminded of this truth. Yahweh surrounds His people with protection, everlasting protection, by faith, and through the covenant. That's exactly the protection and eternal life that the elder Jim Lammer experienced and that elder Jim Lammer is experiencing right now. May we search our hearts this afternoon. May we make sure that before this great covenantal everlasting Lord, we are looking to him as right light looks to the mountain. Let us pray together. Great God in heaven, we thank you for your blessed word, and we pray, Father, as we meditate upon this blessed reality that you surround us with protection, that you surround your people because of your covenant, that you draw your people to yourself by faith in Christ. Lord, may you search all our hearts this afternoon. May we find comfort and consolation, you knowing that soon we'll see Elder Jim Lammers again as he has joined that great cloud of witness who, without ceasing, praise the Lamb, who will join them together in that great day of resurrection. And yet, Lord, we pray, lead our hearts to that certainty and assurance that we will be in the crowd of pilgrims that are destined to the new heavens and new earth, the new Canaan that you bring from heaven. Deliver us from being pilgrims to perdition. In His name, Lord, in the name of Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let us together uh, respond to God's Word as we sing together Selection 469. As we are, uh, let us sing Selection 469, all verses of By the Sea of Crystal.
And the Lord dismissed His people with His benediction. Let's stand together uh, for the pronouncement of the benediction. Please notice that we sing together doxology as our doxology, selection 473. Selection 473, we sing stanzas 1 and 2 of God be with you till you meet again. And now, people of God, receive the benediction of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.